You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Christina thinks my view of weddings is pretty skewed, which it, it is, but I said that basically the man should come in from one side and the woman from the other, and they should have backpacks on, and they should just dump all of their junk right on the altar and <laughs> mix it together and then leave with one backpack because we're really just bringing all of this stuff in with us. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast with Cypress Creek Church. I'm here, Ben Kiowski, your host, and we are this week sans Taylor Christensen, unfortunately, who is our other illustrious host, but we are joined today by our illustrious pastor, Jose Avaroa. Jose, how are you today? Hey, doing great. Good. We're going to back up a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk with our special guest, um, Sean and Christina Stover. How are y'all doing today? Morning, Ben. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to have you with us. They spoke um, two weeks in a row, actually. Um, we heard from Sean one week, and then we heard from Sean and Christina the following week talking about children and family in our Let's Go series. Anyway, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, talking about um, family and marriage, you spoke a lot about having a good foundation. Um, and that, that firm foundation we know is so important, and we talked about, you know, um, how that gives us good direction and all that sort of things. But... I want to ask and hear from each one of you, um, what is the how? Like, how do we get, you touched on it a little bit, of course, but there's so much in y'all's message. I mean, we could talk about the points in, in what y'all talked about for endlessly, endlessly. Um, but what's the how? What are some hows on how do we get to that foundation? Yeah, marriage and family are huge topics, I think, for us uh, in our culture today and in our church today. And so absolutely, we could talk, about this for a, a long time, and there are lots of hows. The and that's where the rubber meets the road. How do we do marriage well and family well? Christina talks a lot about how important that is for us as a church because honestly, that's how we're going to win people in our culture. If we have answers to their marital issues and their family issues and their parenting issues, and they're going to be attracted to what we have, and we know that the foundation we have, the biblical truths that we rest our faith on. Uh, has so many answers for how to do marriage well, how to do family well. And uh, it's turning back to those and finding those biblical truths that are important. And and that's the that's the start of it. Because honestly, when we look around, not everybody had a really good family experience mm-hmm. growing up. So they don't have something to draw on. They're not like, well, I had great models and I'm gonna do it just like my parents did. Unfortunately, the majority of people are saying, I wanna do it different than I experienced growing up. So they don't know where to look for different. And uh, that's where the Bible comes in. And it would be cool if there was one chapter in the Bible that was like, here's how to do marriage well, and it was all together. But that's not how the, the Bible's a collection of stories. And it's God's message to us through people and through lives. And so you gotta really find the nuggets in different portions. And uh, those foundations you know, they're there, you know, like the value of having a vision for your marriage and um, the importance of putting God first and then putting, you know, your spouse second and then your kids following that. Those principles are in there, but you got you to find them. Yeah, I think your how looks like your foundation. And you talked about that, about um, biblical foundations. But I also think the how comes back to your early years between the nine ages of nine and 15 of what you were written on in your heart and how do you get those truths 
the fears that were written on and how do you get truths from the word of God and from the Lord himself and putting truth around those. And I think how is being transparent with our stories? I think I lived, uh, my whole childhood was people were not who they were. They would come to church and sit in the pew and act like everything was good and great and it wasn't. And so I know for us, transparency's a big word in our home. It is for our kids. It's not always fun and it's hard. It's countercultural, but I think it gives people hope when you share, you know, how hard it is to do parenting and how hard it is to do marriage. So I think that may answer the how a little bit. Yeah, that's good. I believe that the one principle I've been hanging my hat on for the last probably year when it comes to marriage and, and family is the idea of submitting myself and my will to whatever the Lord has, to whatever our family needs, to whatever Christina's um, trying to communicate to me. Um, I realize that a lot of the issues that have come up in our marriage primarily have been the result of my pride and my ego wanting to get its way or wanting to be heard. And a real practical how for me has been trying to remember that, hey, look, understanding what's going on with her and uh, communicating to listen as opposed to communicating to be heard is... Uh, it's it's really changed our interactions to some extent um, when I remember to do it. Wish that was always the case. <laughs> a lot of times uh, I don't. We were just down uh, on our way up today, and I'm you know <laughs> trying to defend something that I said yesterday that she was absolutely right. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get him get one of our kids at noon, and I think I I did say that, but then I changed it. Man, I'm just it's easy for me to want to mm-hmm. defend myself. Um, and for my pride to get in the way of just trying to be a good listener, mm. um, trying to submit myself to the Lord mm-hmm. and His direction for my life and what being a good husband and a good dad looks like. Seek mm-hmm. to understand isn't always the, it's not my natural go-to. I just want to communicate to be, prove my point, yeah, right? Instead of, yeah. right, um, listening to understand your heart or our kid's heart because their behaviors always usually are something so different. So seeking to understand is, is a big, a big thing for me that I'm not great at all the time. Yeah, that's so good. I love that you talked about thinking about the model that you've had, especially from nine to 15, Mm -hmm. because you think about marriage and you think about marriage starting when you say I do, but you, I didn't realize how much I was bringing into my marriage, especially early on thinking, why is this happening? And then you realize, wow, we grew up different ways. We grew up with different things and all those things are not bad. The bottom line is that when we focus on these biblical truths, God wants to redeem those things so that we can be a really solid picture of what marriage looks like as, as followers of Jesus. Right. And uh, yeah, it, it, it sounds great. But it's a lot of work. Yeah, the leave and cleave is like you read it and you're like, what does that really mean? And it really means to leave your parents, mm-hmm. not just physically, emotionally, mentally. And now you spiritually, yeah, now you have this person that you've committed to and y'all, your decisions are based on compromise and balance, finding the balance in that. Yeah. Christina thinks my view of weddings is pretty skewed, which it, it is. But I said that basically 
the man should come in from one side and the woman from the other, and they should have backpacks on, and they should just <laughs> dump all of their junk right on the altar and <laughs> mix it together and then leave with one backpack because we're really just bringing all of this stuff in yeah. with us. Uh, no matter how healthy or healed we believe we are, marriage just sets off all of that old stuff that Christina mentioned from 9 to 15, or you said culturally you grew up with, or right. the home you grew up in. And yeah, man, it all comes surf- surfacing back up. You know? Gotta buy a duffel bag. Yeah. Instead of just <laughs> yeah. a little big backpack. Old, a big, big cart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Christina is uh, every now and then she'll say, that's. You don't do that too much, but I, I've definitely acted like my dad at various yeah, times in our relationship. Yes. And That's powerful. Yeah, yeah I, I hear that. So evidently I still have some of my items in my backpack. Uh, well, and you hear people say, well, let's have a kid. It'll solve our marriage troubles. And I just mm. look at them and Yikes. I don't understand that because your marriage is hard. It's such a fun journey, but... Till you get that to where you can look at that person the way Jesus looks at them, then you can add your little people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a hard thing. It never does um, quite work out where we're sinking a lot at the same time very often, but we're trying. Mm-hmm. After 25 years, we're yeah. trying. And I, You know, I agree. I think that's uh, a really great point that bringing those things in and the hope, I guess, is that we would wash all those things in the Holy Spirit right. and, and, and pull the wisdom out of them that we can yeah. and learn. And, and, and in the process of building our foundation, we take what's good and be thankful for the lessons along the way. And, yeah. you know, the point of it's not to like, because the easy thing to do, I don't know if y'all do this, maybe I'm alone, is to <laughs> you go into like dishonoring the parental That's units right. and That's dishonoring right. the family yeah. because yeah. you're like, you know, my dad or my mom right. or my grandpa or whatever, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And... Um, that's not the biblical way. Yeah, that's not the way. No. The way is to honor that's and right. to take, you know, hey, and, and you, you have that realization that they were imperfect and as you enter into yeah. it. I mean, I think, I don't know. I that's, just really like that mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely. You're yeah. so right because it, it really isn't about blaming anybody mm-hmm. from your past because yeah. we need to take personal responsibility for where we are. I had a history teacher in high school that said, those who don't learn from the past are destined to repeat it. Sure. And uh, yeah, I thought he just meant I'd have to take the class again if I <laughs> didn't study. But really, the meaning is we want to learn from our past and our history yeah. and what we learn from our parents and because it does impact us. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. to just sit there and blame them and, and get rid of all personal responsibility and say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a victim and I... That's definitely not honoring of the biblical principle that is honor your mother and father. Um, so we learn from the past without blaming, and then we take that information and we change, mm-hmm. hopefully, how we interact with our spouse and yeah. how we raise our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you you all spend a lot of time talking about uh, family and parenting and relationships and all that kind of stuff. And I know, you know, Sean, you're a professional counselor, as it were. And um, so I'm hoping that you'll have an answer for this. I think that you will. Um, but, you know, we, we build these foundations and some of us, um, we build them well. We listen and we do all that stuff. But, you know, when that, when that flood comes, you know, and it breaks against that foundation, though we may be anchored and rooted on the firm foundation, sometimes the foundation does have a crack, you know, and we got to we got to fix it. How do we fix those cracks? What do we What do we do when that when it comes? You know, when yeah. it, when it comes and we're shaken. Of course, we're we're grounded and we're rooted, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but we're shaken, you know. And there's a crack. Mm-hmm. There's a crack in the wall. Sheetrock needs to be repaired, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And you know, might, you might have busted a pipe in the, you know what I mean? That sort of stuff. 
I think step one in the process that gets overlooked often, but it's probably the most important, is to acknowledge that the pipe's busted or that there's a crack in the sheetrock. The reality is most of the time we ignore the obvious signs that things yeah. aren't going the right direction because we just don't want to believe that our marriage is in trouble or it's just not that bad compared to everybody else or right. there are other things in our life that are more pressing and we don't have time to pay attention to this. And right. so step one really is just acknowledging, hey, a flood's come, we've been damaged, we're hurt, um, we got to work on this. And then step two is humbling yourself to actually take that step to mm-hmm. do the work. And man, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is an amazing counselor in our life, is the answer. And the Bible provides wisdom that mm-hmm. is the answer. And for some folks, that's where that's all they need is to go yeah. to the Lord yeah. in prayer, humbly submitting with their spouse together and applying those truths. Um, but the third step is the reality is a, a lot of us need somebody to walk that out with us. Yeah, And we've got to be willing to go find an objective third party, either a mentor or a community group leader or Mm -hmm. a pastor or a counselor or somebody that can kind of help us apply those truths and hear the voice of the Lord, specifically in the situation we're in. Um, There are resources out there. There are lots of resources out there. And there are people out there who want to help. We've got to humbly submit ourselves, turn back to the Lord and His truth, and then third, find people that can come alongside us. And I think it... It says in Isaiah, it says, when you pass through the waters and when you go through the fire, it doesn't say if, it says when. And so, I mean, who, I mean, we want to all go around the fire and all go around the flood, but we live in a fallen world. So I know when we were, our third pregnancy was, um, ended up being a stillborn. I mean, that, that kind of thing happens to everybody but us. Like it was, I lived in a, I was in a fog. And I remember thinking everybody, we had gone to church and the pastor was like, well, you just need to keep having joy. And I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. have joy right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sad. Like we want to be parents again. Mm -hmm. And somebody else came up to me and was like, we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice Mm -hmm. and we're going to mourn with those who mourn. And so I think that is where we need to land as a body of believers is sit with people that mm-hmm. you can mourn with. Like Sean said, find those people. And I mean, it is it is not easy to sit there and say, God is good all the time, but he is good all the time. It doesn't change that your heart's broken. Right. And he knows that. And it says he will heal the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to, for me, when I lost, when we lost Avery, I needed to find a good therapist to just be mad mm. at God, to be sad with God, but to have Jesus with skin on. Mm-hmm. So that was for me to be able to talk through my feelings and my emotions and get healing around my heart because I had still had two beautiful babies that God had given me and I didn't want it to to break our marriage. Mm. So, right. um, because sometimes Sean said it best. He said, don't judge me for how I mourn. Mm. It's gonna look different. And I think that was good advice because I was. I was mad at him for not crying more Hmm. or being more sad, but in in his own way, he was mourning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great, babe. I think that, Ben, to your point, that they are going to come. Crisis are going to come. Trouble's going to come. And 
and a lot of people like to say, well, that's what caused our issue. When in reality, usually it just reveals the true <laughs> yeah. character of right. a relationship when the crisis that comes. Peels back the veil. Yeah, you know, and when things are great and the stock market's amazing and right. there's no flus or viruses around and, you know, we're yeah. living in a great little community here, it's easy to look past the little things that when the crisis comes, you realize, wow, mm -hmm. it revealed that we really aren't in as good a place as we hoped right. we would be. And um, being able to turn back to the Lord um, and find comfort in Him at that point and other people is we so important. tell people too, go to a marriage intensive when you're not in crisis. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because yeah. Um, you can learn a lot from it. Yeah. And instead of waiting until you are making this decision of ending your marriage or not, we all need tools. Um, the Father gives, equips so many people, so. That's good. I have a, a question. Your number one reason um, when you were outlining the world's ways, wrong path is one, people are driven by fear. Mm -hmm. What do you think causes fear mostly in marriage? That, that's more so towards you, Sean, because you're the psychologist and you have these answers <laughs> for us. <laughs> Yeah, so in that message, we were just talking about the world's way versus God's way. And there are so many times we get off track in our marriage because we're following yeah. the world's way and what we see around us in the culture, and we're just adapting those same principles. One of the things that's really common in our world is fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been around for a long time. Yeah. You know, I've mentioned it before, you know, Adam and Eve, the very beginning, you know, they ate of the fruit, and as soon as they did, they, they became afraid. afraid. Yeah. And that fear entered the picture, and it caused them to quickly behave in anti-relational ways, hiding mm -hmm. and covering up and blaming that, that distracted them from intimate relationship with the Lord and each other. And we're just products of that. Yeah. So ever since then, I mean, I just really believe there's an enemy. And I yep. believe that uh, Satan's job is to rob, kill, and destroy. Yep. And he does that by using our life circumstances to create fears. Yeah. So for me, you know, the death of, of a parent when I was nine years old created a fear of helplessness inside of me. I didn't know about that, but that's what that life circumstance mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. um, Christina certainly had things that created fear inside right. of and her. I didn't have a loss of a parent or a traumatic experience, but mine was fear of not being good enough based mm. on, you know, my the way my daddy showed love was to just keep pushing me and pushing me. And performance became everything about me from teachers mm. to coaches to my parents. So the fear of not measuring up and not being good enough was something I brought into our marriage. Like Sean said, I didn't know, I didn't have the words then, but I know whenever... I would be angry or hurt. I went straight to not good enough. Hmm. And then I would react yeah, because of my, that fear. Well, in my language and my actions communicated to her that she wasn't good enough. Hmm. I mean, the, the first time that the mashed potatoes wouldn't <laughs> stay on my fork because they ran through the... And I said something sarcastic to her like... Hey, do you got a straw I could eat these with? You know, and she just immediately got upset, and I was like, "Hey, that was funny. What do you? What's wrong?" And she's like, "I can't even do mashed potatoes good enough." Right. And we didn't know at the time, but it was just triggering something that had been inside her for a long time. And that uh, was two weeks of two weeks in of at that marriage point. bliss. Yeah, we were excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did the same thing on our honeymoon. We didn't make it two weeks on our honeymoon. Oh, I, true, yeah. we woke up the first day and. Uh, 
I tried to get out of bed and she was she was still asleep and and so I went walking around the place we were staying and they had these exercise bikes and equipment out by the pool and uh-huh. they were setting this cool buffet up with fruit and vegetables and breakfast things and I thought man so I went back and I woke Christina up I was like babe we can go work out let's go work out by the pool and she was like what in the world are you talking about I'm not working out am I not good enough for you the way I am I gotta work out on our first morning together I was like I thought you wanted to work out first strike came early yeah Yeah, it was bad and same for me that fear of helplessness that I had Man, marrying uh, you know an outgoing, flaming extrovert um, <laughs> created a lot of situations where I would, I felt helpless, and I tried to control Christina mm-hmm. as opposed to accepting her and the way that God had put her together. So we have to find. I think it goes back to what we we're talking about: not blaming, but when you go to a doctor's office, you sit and you talk through your symptoms, yeah. and they they take a long time to diagnose what is wrong. They don't go straight to the solution of okay, I'm going to give you this medicine. Well, a good doctor should do that anyway. (laughs) Um, But the same thing with our hearts. And so we just, you have to look back to Mm -hmm. what were your circumstances and it makes you who you are and then get truths around it. You know, I have scripture memorized about how I have loved you with an everlasting love, Christina, and I will never leave you or forsake you. And getting truths around what, who God made you to be and what the, um, talents and gifts he's deposited in you and get whole, full and healthy in your own life. Yeah, that really is the antidote to the fear is right. God's way yeah. is is truth. And that's yeah. why he says, you, know, you just know the truth and it will set you free. Mm. Free from that stuff you've brought in, you know, free mm. from fear, free from the enemy's strategies so that you can love the way that I've loved you. And so truth is the antidote to, to fear. Right. So good. Great. Awesome. Uh, shifting gears a little bit. Just a couple more questions, and then we'll be we'll be done with this deal. Um, but shifting gears a little bit, we talked. Um, y'all talked, not we. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> talked a little bit about how men and women communicate differently, and how you know the man's sort of sort of natural statistical tendency is to try to fix things, and then mm-hmm. then the female, you know, sort of you know normal tendency is just to want to connect to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. And those things can be at odds at odds with one another sometimes. But uh, I guess the question is, um, how do we allow those things? What is the pathway to allow those things to complement one another? Because there's times when, you know, the the tendency of the man to want to, uh, he needs to connect, right? And so he needs to receive that type of connection from his spouse, and then vice versa. Sometimes, you know, mama comes to you because she needs something fixed. You know what I mean? And so how do how do we navigate that? Because, you know, it's not wrong to be female. It's not wrong to be male. It's not wrong to have those tendencies. Mm-hmm. How do we allow those to complement the, the, the relationship? Well, I used to tell Sean, if I have to tell you what I think is romantic, that's not romantic if you do that. Well, I've changed my whole thing on that. Because... <laughs> because I struck out. Repeatedly. <laughs> um, that's just... I mean, we're on the same team. I want mm. Sean to be successful. Good. Here yeah. are some things that I would... I think are romantic. Same thing with communication. I think having expectations for your spouse are, it's terrible. Just quit having them. I mean, you know, we want to strive to have a great, whole, full, healthy marriage. But I think communication is key. Saying, I need to connect with you right now. I need you to know about my day just because I want to connect with you. And, or the 
other way and saying, I really need you to help me fix this. Like yeah. yesterday, I needed something fixed. And if Sean would have looked at me and been like, oh, I'm so sorry, that's not working. I would have been like, <laughs> no, I really need you to fix it. I'm not, I don't want to connect here. So having yeah. those first conversations and some people are say, that sounds so mechanical, mm-hmm. but it, man, for us, it solved a lot of endless conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, psychologists would call it framing your conversation and right. really just okay. before you start, exactly what Christina said. She's she's much better now at saying, hey, I'm about to talk to you about something. I just want to tell you about it and connect. Right. Or she may say, hey, listen, I really need you to help me solve this mm-hmm. issue with the kids or this issue with my schedule tomorrow or whatever. And it sets me up to be successful. And in the same way, I mean, I have the ability to pause her five seconds in and say, wait a minute, is this, do you just want me to connect around this or are you really wanting me to solve something here? And she'll say, no, 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 I was just wanting you to connect or whatever the case is. So we can, and the same for me, I need, I need those to be able to prompt her in those same ways in our conversation. Um, It's important. We're, we're trying to get better at that too. I mean, we, that little bit of good communication time, Ben, at the, is to connect, just to connect without, because a lot, if you think about it, you look back over how you and Scarlett talked to each other. Sure. A lot of it is just fixing things. Who's going to get the kids? What are we going to do here? How are we going to do our schedule? Yeah. yeah. And so, man, the couples that do the 15 to 20 minutes at the end of the day after the kids are put down and, you know, everybody's tired. Mm-hmm. But, man, 15 to 20 minutes of just connecting with each other um, is powerful. It yeah. creates and breeds this intimacy. It's one of those foundational things that helps you particularly when you got a lot of little bitty ones like mm-hmm. Jose and mm-hmm. Taylor do running around. You, you got to have some grown-up conversation at the end of the day um, that's just around connecting with each other. Yeah, I forget what it's like to have that time all the time, but this reminds me when we first... Um, when we, we got married, we moved to DC. So we kind of had to figure this out on our own. We were, we didn't have yeah. parents, we didn't have friends and it was so good for us. It was hard, but it was so good for us. And when we actually got the call to come back, um, you know, when, 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 uh, Grace and Belvin at the time, a uh, pastor at the church said, Hey, are you guys interested in coming back and being the student pastors? At that point, I knew I had, I had these things. It was the Holy spirit for sure. It was not my wisdom, but I thought I'm going to tell Taylor you know, that this is happening, then I'm going to go play soccer and I'm going to come back in 40 minutes while she gets her thoughts together and then we'll have the conversation. Otherwise, it's me externally processing my thoughts, changing gears a million times and taking her on a roller coaster that lands her in anxiety because she's not internally processing anything. She's trying to internally process what I'm externally processing. So So it was, uh, um, you know, it, it just, I guess it just takes time. Um, but yeah, we, we do try to have that time to connect. Um, well, and it's honoring <laughs> the differences, right? right? You don't, I know for a long time I was just kept telling, I want you to just want to communicate to connect. That's all I wanted. And, and I have to know that there's, once again, we come to the word balance. Hmm. And, you know, I know that God put me with this man and I need mm-hmm. sometimes to, he wants to connect um, to the communication, but sometimes it's to fix. And so I think it's honoring the differences and not trying to, to yeah. change that person. Absolutely. I think you guys, Jose, you and Christina both hit on something about 
uh, communication that's important too, and that is that some of us are external processors mm-hmm. and some of us are internal processors. Mm-hmm. And see, a lot of couples get upset with each other because they misrepresent that or they don't understand that. Yeah. You know, right. for uh, Jose, you're clearly <laughs> an external processor. So yes. if it's in his mind, it's going to come out. He's going to he's talking yeah. about it, and that's how you make sense of things. Exactly. And um, mm-hmm. Christina does that too with yeah. me. She's come on and, now. And, Boom. And you know I'm the I'm the opposite. So like if I'm saying something, it's because I've thought about it for That's probably right, yeah. an hour before it comes out. Hallelujah. And and so I used to judge Christina. I'm like, how could you be saying that? Like, because I would not say it if I hadn't thought. And she's like, well, I'm just telling you what all's going on I'm inside rolling, my mind. Man. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I have sat in with you. We've had strategic planning meetings with lots of different people, and he would not say anything for lots of hours until the end of it where all the external processors would talk and then he would talk and we could have saved the whole day because what he was thinking was the right thing. The conclusion, the the solution. Yeah, Yeah. so sometimes you need to speak up a little sooner. Well, I think you need to go play basketball or (laughs) soccer or something and then then come back. genius. Way to go, Jose. We we do, but it'd be worth it if you're out there listening to this to think about, how do I process? Mm -hmm. Am I an external processor? I need to say it out loud and bounce it off of people or am I an internal processor where I kind of figure out my own mind before Mm -hmm. I bend your internal yeah, I'm an internal processor yeah, all the yeah. way. Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking about putting a fence post out for the external processors. They don't mm-hmm. talk to the fence posts for a while, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then then, then we can come back and converse. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a I have a low attention span too, so an internal <laughs> processor hard for me to pay attention. So and I'm sorry a, to all my externally <laughs> processing friends. It is interesting to learn your children too, yeah. what uh, how they process and yeah. and sometimes that does push your fear button. But yeah. it's learning and honoring how they process as well. Yeah. Speaking of kids, back on your fix versus connect, Ben, for teenagers, I think this is one of the biggest mistakes parents make is they immediately go to solving or fixing their kids' mm. problems. Mm. And when their kid was really just needing to connect with them around right. something, and it shuts your teenagers down down. when you do that because they in turn their message they get is so i you don't think i could have done this on my own you didn't think i could figure this out you didn't think i was smart enough you didn't think i was good enough or i'm broken yeah or something's wrong with me or i'm broken they're getting a message like that from the enemy because we're jumping in to solve or fix Mm -hmm. their thing and really if you ask parents what they want they want their kids to talk to them they're like we we want them to talk we want them to communicate well then you need to just sit back and try to connect and understand and let them come to their own conclusion about how to work that situation out Mm -hmm. until they ask you at some point they may say hey what do you think I should do well then you have the green light to help them fix it but most of the time they're just wanting to tell you what's going on they're just wanting to connect a little bit it's good yeah well, moving towards the wrap-up, it's, it's come up naturally in the other uh, podcasts that we've done, but I always like to give people the opportunity to, to um, when you were speaking, if there's a thinking back about it, what I meant to say or what I forgot to say or, oops, I said this or whatever. So it can be serious or not, but what did, what did you mean to say that you missed? That's a good question. Feels like we talked a long time in those messages, so they ran ran a little long. I don't know that we missed anything. We probably should have said all, we, so. we probably should have said less. Honestly, if we were, it's a big topic, and so we tried to yeah. cover a lot of ground. But the reality is, the hope 
is for us that people would just grab one or two things. And um, that's kind of my tendency when I teach. I give a lot of things and mm-hmm. I just try to say, please grab one or two of these. Um, other people are much better at just teaching on the two or three things. So you just, you know what to grab. Um, but that's my style. I don't know. Well, and that's, that and right that's good too, because now we've heard that from you. Now we know how to learn from you. That's right. You know don't what I mean? listen we, to everything we see your I method, say. man. Yeah. That's good. See, Ben, good. now you have permission to just, when you get one thing, you can tune out, <laughs> can just, tune out the rest. Like, like, could you just get that in the first 10 yeah, minutes I'll or get so? Your, yeah. yeah, I'll get your takeaway early. <laughs> Christina is a great teacher in that she tells stories in a way that ultimately communicate a mm. valid point. And so I love teaching with her because she brings that. Mm. Thank you. In. Yeah. She probably has a lot of stories about me she could have told. <laughs> I should have been up there with the marriage one too. Ooh. Um, just yeah. kidding. You did great. I think for us, what did we not talk about? One of the things you always say at the end after we have taught is, couple things information alone doesn't change people right if if it was we would be the most changed culture around we right. have more we have books so much, you so can google content. anything yeah. yeah so it's finding the truth what you were talking about you know even a good therapist or a, a mentor somebody that you can trust and then allowing truth to marinate with you with the holy spirit and mm-hmm. getting truths around those and then Pick one. Like you said, execution is the chariot of genius. Mm -hmm. If you aspire to have all 10 things that Sean said or we said, I mean, you're going to fail. And so it's just learning one thing. And I think the reason you probably do talk about different 10 different points is because there's so many different personalities out there and they're going to resonate with one thing. And so I think that I appreciate that about you. And so that they can choose what they're doing and then kind of marinate on that point. Yeah, thanks. It's a good point. Yeah, Information is helpful, but transformation happens when you run into Jesus Mm -hmm. and have an encounter with him. So hopefully the information points you to him Mm -hmm. and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for being here. We're going to do a wrap-up a little bit different than we've usually been giving Pastor Jose the last word, but I got a great question for you. It's going to be awesome. Jose, thanks for being here. Nathaniel, thanks for holding it down over there. So here's the last question, just a couple-minute answer. If you could tell your young married self, maybe the first two years in, one thing, what would that be? Invest in Walmart stock. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes. That's Um, great advice. (laughs) I would definitely have told myself to to chill out. I majored in the minors. I, I didn't see the big picture. I was dying on hills that just weren't worth it. I mean, this mm. marriage is a marathon in raising families. You know, it's a lifetime. Yeah. And, uh, and you can't just let one moment throw you so far off track that you sacrifice the whole for it. And and I, I did that. I mean, I thought we got to work out every little detail of every little thing. And mm. Christina had a much bigger perspective and better perspective on that. Um, For me, I think it would be try to see your spouse the way Jesus sees them. Mm. Sean has done that for me very well. And oh, it makes me cry. Having compassion for that person and empathy. Mm-hmm. So when we have conflict now, and I know it goes back to when he was eight years old and his mom was dying of cancer. I can see that eight-year-old little boy going, I am so sad or broken. Mm -hmm. And so 
kind of like the blind man that Jesus healed. And then he said, what do you see? And the blind man said, he said, I see trees. And what? He sees trees. That doesn't make any sense. But then Jesus touched his eyes again and he said, now I see people clearly. So I think it's seeing your spouse the way Jesus does. Mm -hmm. Like he's hurting me in this moment, which is really hard to do. But why is he hurting me? There's always, you know, the behaviors, it goes back to the heart. So I think my mature self would tell my younger married self to try to not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus see in this instant with my spouse? Awesome. Well, that's it for this time. We will see y'all next time. We won't see you, but we'll listen with you and chat with you next time on the Conversations Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have a question about next Sunday's message that you'd like us to address that week on the podcast, you can email your question to conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. This has been Kioski signing off. We will see you next time.